Welcome to the Teaching and Learning Professor, where you will find interviews of college faculty, staff, administrators, students, and alumni every week. Topics cover all aspects of formal and informal learning in higher education. The goal of this podcast is to help faculty understand the best ways to teach and for students to understand the best ways to learn. Your host is a teaching professor in the Department of Biological Sciences at Bowling Green State University. He's been faculty and the director of the BGSU Marine Lab since 1999. Now on to the show with your host, Dr. Matthew L. Parton. Hi, my name is Matt Parton. I'm a teaching professor here at Bowling Green State University and the director of our marine lab. I've been faculty here since 1999, and I teach many of our marine biology-related courses. I want to talk to you a little bit about our marine biology program. The marine lab has a long history at BGSU. Today, you'll find Dr. Kevin Nebs and myself teaching most of the classes and overseeing students in the lab, but it's we did not invent the lab. It's been around for a very, very long time. This is Cindy Stong. She actually started the lab back in the early 60s. In 1963, she went on a field trip with some students, came back with some fish, put them in aquariums. They survived. The next year, she went on another trip, brought back more animals, And year after year, she brought back more and more and more animals until it's grown up into the marine lab that we have here today. Bill Evans is worth mentioning. He was the, he was a BGSU alum, and he was always a very strong supporter of the BGSU marine biology program. He was actually the U.S. delegate to the International Whaling Commission, appointed by Ronald Reagan. So today you'll see that there's about 200 students in the program, but that's a lot of that growth has occurred in the last 10 years. I was actually an undergraduate here at BGSU, and I would say there was about 20 students or so that considered themselves marine biology students. When I took over the lab in 99, it was still, I would say there's about 20 or so students and it's just grown significantly. It's it's become just an just an optimal learning environment for students. We find really high retention. We've been actually collecting some data indicating that our students that participate in the marine biology program and use the marine lab and they congregate around the marine lab feel this very strong sense of community and ownership of the lab, and they are just retained at a, at a higher rate than other students that that do not have a place that they feel like they belong here on campus. So out of necessity, we've built this this hierarchy. So we have a head coordinator, a student, undergraduate student, who oversees the others. This is typically a junior or senior who is very knowledgeable of aquariums and how the lab works, but also a strong leader, somebody that, that others will listen to and and they have a lot of respect for that head coordinator oversees four other coordinators or assistant coordinators so we have an outreach coordinator who's in charge of all aspects of the outreach that we do with our program we have a large systems coordinator who oversees all of our bigger aquariums our shark aquariums and a big touch tank and so forth we have a coral coordinator so one that oversees all of the aquariums that have corals, and this, this person typically has specialized knowledge dealing with the aquatic systems that, that main, maintaining corals. And we also have a research coordinator. Underneath all of these coordinators that we consider the leadership team, so the head coordinator and all the, the assistant coordinators are a leadership team. Underneath the leadership team, we have several or about 16 other assistant coordinators that report to them. And then underneath those groups of 
assistant coordinators. We have all the other students that are learning the basics. And they all teach each other. So they meet with each other regularly, teach each other how to do things. So we have this big hierarchy of students teaching other students how to run the lab, how to take care of their their animals, and how to and, and help each other out quite a bit. Some of the highlights in the lab right now, we have several aquariums with corals. Some of them we have some research going on. We have a large shark tank. It's about 500 gallons. We have a touch tank with about 500 gallons. Lots of fresh and saltwater fish, invertebrates, and some algaes and plants growing in the lab as well. We also have, we have a lot of undergraduate research, and I'll talk more about that later on. Dr. Sylvia Earle is a marine biologist who visited us last year, and she gave a, a public presentation, and she also had a chance to meet with our students in an informal basis, and they got to ask her questions. And she was inspiration to many of our students. And I, and I put a couple quotes up here. One is, with every drop of water you drink, every breath you take, you're connected to the sea. No matter where on earth you live, most of the oxygen in the atmosphere is generated by the sea. So if you think about it, I mean, we are connected to the ocean, even though we're way out here in the middle of Ohio, we're still connected to the ocean. Here's another quote that I like. It says, 10% of the big fish still remain. There are still some blue whales. There's still some krill in Antarctica. There's a few oysters in Chesapeake Bay. Half the coral reefs are still in pretty good shape. A jeweled belt around the middle of the planet. There's still time, but not a lot, to turn things around. I like this quote in particular because it's very optimistic and it's stating things in a very positive manner. The specialization in marine biology at BGSU is actually a biology degree. So we have a bachelor's of science and a bachelor of arts in biology. And with that bachelor of science or bachelor of arts, you can receive a marine biology. It's actually a marine and aquatic biology specialization. We also have a student organization at BGSU called the Marine Biology Association. They do lots of trips around the country visiting alums. They're highly organized and uh, very active. They do lots of things. They, they like to visit our alums at our various aquariums around the country and zoos. They also get together and get scuba certified. They also will go to the, the Keys and scuba dive. Um, I think this year their big trip, they're going to Baltimore to see the aquarium there. And there's sort of an offshoot from the Marine Biology Association. There's a scuba club at BGSU as well who will coordinate trips with the University of Finley and also the University of Toledo. They have dive clubs as well. We do quite a bit of outreach here at BGSU. In the biology department, we have school groups who will come and visit us every Thursday morning. And what we'll typically show them is the marine lab, the herpetarium, which is similar to the marine lab, only it's full of snakes and lizards and other reptiles. So if you're not aware, then the study of reptiles is herpetology, so herpetarium. Uh, we have a greenhouse, which is obviously has lots of plants, and we have a, two electron microscopes in the building. We have a, a scanning electron microscope, microscope as well as a transmission electron microscope. And so school groups will come out and see us. Typically, high school, middle school, some upper elementary school groups, we get college groups that'll come see us. We will get other random scouting groups. We'll get, we had a gardening club last year, and I think 
we had a nursing home that came out. So this is this is actually a big part of our program. And a lot of our students, when they graduate, one of the first jobs that they're going to get after they graduate they may have some sort of an informal education or an outreach component. And this is a course that will help prepare them for that. We also require a field experience at BGSU. The field experience, we give them a couple options. One, students can attend an institution such as Gulf Coast Research Lab, which is an extension of the University of Southern Mississippi. They have a field station right on the Gulf. There's lots of sharks, lots of dolphins. So a lot of our students go down there, take shark and dolphin classes. We don't our students don't have to go here, but many do because we have a consortium agreement, meaning that they go down here, they take BG, they get BGSU credit. They they're not paying out of state tuition. It's as it's as if they just they took the class at BGSU. There's a variety of courses that they offer. Now they don't have to go here. There are other institutions like this all over the world, and one that's actually very close to home is Ohio State Stone Lab, which is about an uh, an hour or so here. Uh, to the ferry, and then you jump on a ferry, take that over to Kelly's Island, and then take another small boat out to Gibraltar Island, which is, again, this is where uh, Ohio State Stone Lab is. Our students can get a similar experience here, only it's freshwater instead of saltwater, so some of our students will take classes here. Now, if they don't want to go to an institution like Gulf Coast Research Lab or Stone Lab, they can do one of our field trips, which is only a week as opposed to a five, six-week class at a different institution. Dr. Neves, he's been going to Florida. So last year he went to Florida in the Tampa area and he the students looked at uh, aquaculture facilities in Moat Marine Lab. This year he's going to North Carolina, uh, to the Outer Banks. In the past, I've gone to Gulf Coast Research Lab in the Institute of Marine Mammal Studies or IMMS down in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. I've been to the Outer Banks of North Carolina several times. The last few years, though, I've been actually going to Carousel in the Caribbean. So it's a small island between Aruba and Bonaire. We do reef surveys every day. We get to see Carmabi, which is a marine lab down there. We get to see the Sea Aquarium Park, which is a very, very nice aquarium. They have dolphins that are open pen so that the dolphins can, every day they, they swim out into the open ocean and they, they come back. Uh, there's a submarine there. It's, it's a really nice aquarium. In fact, uh, some of our students will serve internships down in Carousel, working either at the aquarium or at the Coral Restoration Foundation, which is, there's an office located right next door to the aquarium. So typically we'll, we'll send two students to the aquarium and one to the Coral Restoration Foundation. They get thrown out of the country after six months because it's the longest they're allowed to stay. And then we send them new interns. So that's a really nice relationship we have with institutions in that country. There are some other opportunities we have. Here's Dr. Nebs here on the left showing off his aquaculture facility and there's three large tubs you can see one here in the picture and in two of the tubs he has yellow perch one he has he had prawns now he has crayfish it's the waste the fish waste feeds the plants you can see behind them in the picture here and the water's connected to those plants back there and the plants will pull nutrients out of the water phosphates nitrates and so forth and use it as fertilizer to grow and in turn cleans the water for the fish so it's this nice 
uh, reciprocal relationship here between these aquarium animals and the plants. There are other opportunities. One that's worth mentioning is Tim Berthasil's Terra Subaqua. He calls himself a rock farmer. What he does is many people that have corals and aquariums, one of the things that we like to have is what we call live rock. This is rock that's been taken out of the ocean and it has it's covered with bacteria and cyanobacteria and all kinds of creatures that are going to help make your aquarium a little bit more realistic and more natural. And a lot of our aquariums where we keep corals, we want this live rock in there and it makes the aquarium more stable. Traditionally, the live rock has been harvested from reefs. People would come out to the reefs and just gather up reef rubble or maybe even pull reefs apart and sell the rubble. And that's obviously not an ecologically sound practice. So people have been trying to aquaculture live rock in aquariums. And Tim, what he does is he actually went out to a, he leased a plot of land in Florida and hammered some rebar into the ground. It actually was several years of trial and error before he came up with this method. He hammered some rebar into the ground and then he would drill holes in coquina rock. He'd buy a bunch of coquina rock in northern Florida, which is non-indigenous to the Florida Keys, but he would take his drill holes in his rocks, take them down and drop them over the rebar and make these big stacks of rocks that he'd place around a natural reef. And all of the creatures from the natural reef would spawn and come and re-inhabit his rocks. And then he would pull them up uh, every, so, I don't know how long he'd leave them down. There's some, I guess he would leave several months or maybe years. And then he would sell and donate the rocks pretty much mostly all up I-75 between the Keys and Toledo, Ohio. He would give us a rock and our students would go help him with his efforts. Another group that we work with is the Toledo Zoo. We sent a lot of interns to the Toledo Zoo, really all over the zoo. So we send students to do educational internships. They'll do, they'll work at the, the reptiles and many with the aquarium itself. Now, we also offer an advanced aquarium husbandry course, which is team taught by Dr. Neves and Jay Hemdel, who's the curator of the Toledo Zoo Aquarium. And so our students get a very, very good behind the scenes look at what it's like to be an aquarist and to work at an aquarium. We also do some research with coral. So we have several research projects going on in the lab, all undergraduate research projects. Many of them are supported or have been supported by the Center for Undergraduate Research or our CURS office. This is an office here at BGSU that is their, their function is to provide funding for our students and to help them buy some equipment it pays them a small stipend so that they can actually do these research projects. And there's a screening process, so the students actually have to apply for it, and they have to find a faculty member to work with them and serve as sort of a co-sponsor. If they're funded, they receive money to do this work. I also teach a course called Introduction to Inland Marine Research, which is what I call a course-based undergraduate researcher experience or a CURE course. It's What that basically means is that we have a research project is just baked right into the, the course curriculum. We also sell t-shirts. If you're interested, we sell t-shirts for $10 and hoodies for 25. So I think I will show you our check sheets. Here's the check sheet for the bachelor of science in biology specialization in marine biology. On the left side here, you can see these are all of our general education requirements in this first box. 
right here. We call them BG perspective courses. So generally our students need to take some English composition. They've got to take as a minimum two arts and humanities, two natural science courses, two social and behavioral sciences. They'll have some more electives here. And out of all of that, one needs to be a cultural diversity, so it's an ethnic studies kind of class. Then they also need an international perspective, which is typically their foreign language course. Down here in this box is our arts and sciences requirements. This is what they want. The College of Arts and Sciences wants four years of a foreign language in high school or four semesters in college or some combination of the two. Down here, we have a math requirement, so our students pursuing a Bachelor of Science in Biology need to take math through calculus. And then there's a multidisciplinary component, just meaning they need to take some other electives down here. Over on the right side, the major requirements, Biology Today is a orientation course for all of our new incoming marine biology students. So I teach one section of that specifically for the marine biology students. And I think I have, I usually have about 70 students in there each fall semester. This is just a one credit hour course. And then there are two introductory courses, the two gateway courses are going to be biology 2040 and biology 2050. So concepts in biology one and two, and these are the prerequisites to all of the other biology or the vast majority of the other biology courses they're going to take. So this is the first thing they'll take. Other required courses are genetics and evolution. The marine and aquatic biology specialization courses are Principles of Ecology, and Introduction to Inland Marine Research is another one I teach. It's that, it's that CURE course where we have a research project baked into the course. And it's also, it's, in a, it's a closed systems course and talk about aquarium husbandry in there and how to manipulate conditions in your aquarium and not kill your animals. We also require a marine biology or limnology course. So limnology study of freshwater lakes, rivers, and streams. We do have some students that want to just specialize in freshwater, and that's that's fine too. So they'll just take limnology instead of marine biology. We have aquarium husbandry. This line here is they need to take either biology 452 or 454. This is aquarium husbandry or that biology lab tours course. Aquarium husbandry, many of the students who work in the marine lab while they take biology 3700 will continue to work in the marine lab each following semester. And I typically give them a credit hour to do that, to take on some of the other jobs that are required to keep the lab functioning. And, and that's biology 452. The 454 is the lab tours course, and they are the ones who will help me present the various labs in the biology department. We also require the field course, which I discussed earlier. And then our students will take as a minimum one from each of these groups. One from the group A is ecology and conservation group. So many of them will take like animal behavior or they'll take the limnology course. The group B, they have to take one biodiversity as a minimum. And that's usually the students will take ichthyology or and there's one of our ology classes, we call them. So mammology, herpetology, ornithology, that's study of birds. In group C, many of our students will either take animal physiology or developmental biology. Those are the two they tend to go for. Um, when I was an undergraduate, I took immunobiology for some reason. Uh, and then uh, later on, I took animal physiology in graduate school. But group D down here, this is all of our research and internship type classes. So students that are thinking of graduate school, which I try to persuade all of them to at least consider graduate school, they will take 
some sort of research oriented course. Maybe they'll write a CURS grant, get some funding, and they can actually get credit for that for doing that as well. Or they'll just work in somebody else's lab in the building. A no, number of our students will do that, and they'll receive some uh, research credit for doing that. The internships, we again, we send a lot. I spend a lot of my time actually trying to find internships and things for students to do over the summer, and we give them credit for that. As well as statistics, this is one. That I, this is something that I insisted that was added to the checklist here. I believe that if they're going to do some research, they should at least have a, an understanding of, of how statistics works and why it's significant. No pun intended. All right, the electives. They also will take some a few other biology courses, to, usually from one of these other groups here. There's also an a, some additional required courses. So they need to take chemistry, 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 and physics. So two general chemistry courses, general chemistry one, general chemistry two, and then organic chemistry, as well as this physics class. Uh, for a minor, most of them will just take, declare a general science minor, meaning we've already you've already taken so many science classes that it, it fulfills this general science minor, so you just get that if, if that's what you want. Some will elect to minor in other departments, a little minor in psychology or geology or chemistry or some other area. We have students minor in journalism and all kinds of other things. So that is pretty much the check sheet. So if you guys have any questions about the marine biology program here at BGSU, you can email me at P-A-R-T-I-M at bgsu.edu and i hope you found this informative thanks for listening to the teaching and learning professor with dr matthew l parton if you like our show and want to know more check out his webpage at blogs.bgsu.edu slash teaching and learning professor and please leave a review on itunes tune in google spotify stitcher or wherever you retrieve your podcasts